Welcome to the Virtual Staff Room, a podcast made for teachers, by teachers, and all with a dash of educational technology thrown in. My name is Joachim Cohen, and today, like every day, I'm joined by two rather awesome members of a technology for learning team, Linda Lazenby and Yvette Pashoglian. Welcome, team. Hi. So, what do we have in store for you today? I can tell you it's exciting, so let's get straight into it. We're so lucky to have award-winning author for kids and teens, Tristan Banks, with us today. You might know his books Detention, The Fall, Two Wolves, the Tom Weekly and Max Slater series, and now a new Ginger Meg's 100th anniversary collection. Tristan spends an extraordinary amount of time too working with young writers to develop their voices. Tristan, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. It's good to be here. I like that school bell. It kind of gets you into character. (laughs) I know. It's a bit Pavlovian. Um, Tristan, you're one of the most disciplined writers that I know, and you have the incredible ability to write anytime, anywhere. Do you have any tech that helps you with this, or is it more of a mindset thing? How do you work? I get bored easily, and so I tend to sort of need to move around a bit, and uh, as a consequence of sort of needing to move around a bit, I then need to have equipment that works on the run, so I tend to use notes in my phone quite a bit to jot down ideas. Um, I use Scrivener on my MacBook Pro to actually write my books, um, but I use uh, voice memos on the phone as well, and quite often when I'm driving along, I'll press that little microphone button on the on the steering wheel and sort of say, hey, take a note, and I'll, I'll get the note down that way. So I sort of use lots of different tools in order to facilitate uh, writing on the run and feeling like writing is just part of my everyday life. Tristan, you also have a background on the stage and behind the camera. What sort of tech do you use on a daily basis for that creativity? Um, I, as well as notes and Scrivener and, uh, you know, voice memos, um, what else do I use? I use, um, I use uh, Final Draft for, for screenwriting um, and I sort of, I actually start off the day very, uh, you know, non-digital, very, you know, very analog. I start off writing three pages in a notebook and the longer I can stay away from technology in the morning, um, the sort of more honest the writing seems to be and the more centred I am for the day. If I get on technology too early, particularly email and social media and things, my writing day tends to be a bit of a mess and it's all chopped up. Whereas if I can keep that long, long period of um, of just staying in that story headspace, it really uh, helps me. That's really interesting. And I, I think it's one of the amazing developments we're seeing with technology at the moment is the ability to interface with it without interfacing with it. And I know in my mornings, I'm always talking to my Google Home. You know, it tells me the times that I have to look at my phone. And it sounds like you're kind of doing the same thing with, you know, with voice, uh, with those voice memos. So you're actually able to take a note without taking a note and a great way for our students and teachers to get their ideas down. But, but you do, you know, work with a lot of developing um, young writers and young storytellers. How do you find their writing today? And do you see them creating on different platforms rather than just a traditional exercise book? 
I think I would have loved going to school now more than I did uh, going to school when I went to school in that it seems like almost every assignment now there's an option to do a sort of transmedia version of it. You know, you can do the written version, but quite often, you know, it feels like teachers are encouraging, particularly in high school that I'm seeing, um, encouraging that thing of, you know, uh, uh, including images or doing it as a keynote or including audio or creating a podcast or it seems like there are multiple ways that you can respond to the original stimulus. And I would have loved that because I really like to, you know, on my website, I use, you know, I, I blog, but I also um, have audio book links and audio stories that I've created over time. I have video book trailers that I've created. I have video games that I've created with a friend of mine who, who does that kind of thing. Um, and I really like that sort of transmedia approach. And it feels like when I go into schools, I'm always trying to encourage kids to, to um, I don't know, to draw on all those different ways of storytelling, not just words on a page, which for some kids just doesn't work. Mm, Tristan, you're across lots of different forms of writing as well. I mean, I know that you've got some things in, in the background that you're developing, maybe from page to screen. I mean, do you find yourself working in different ways? Obviously, you're using different programs, say, from simple docs to, you know, Final Pro, Final Draft Pro. Um, so how does it work with whatever mode you're writing in with, with the tech? Um, I guess I try to do that thing of letting the tech serve the writing process as opposed to sort of trying to foreground the tech. I recently, I haven't had an iPad. My All my family seem to have iPads, but recently I got an iPad and that has actually helped a bit. And that's one where I have been sort of pushing it a bit to try out different ways of using it. Like I've got an Apple Pencil and a Magic Keyboard. And because it's sort of a small screen and it's a bit more mobile than the laptop, I feel like I sort of, if I just want to muck around with an idea, like a scene or a chapter in a book that I might not even use or a character background or something like that, I'll just get the iPad Pro and I'll go and sit up at the kitchen bench while dinner's being cooked or, you know, while I'm cooking it and then quickly scurrying away to write something. And all these ideas come, it's a bit like a sort of scratch note notepad where the ideas are sort of going down, but they're not, I'm not precious about them. Or I'll use the Apple Pencil and it has a mode where you can handwrite on the screen, but as you handwrite it, it converts it to text, uh, to typed text as you go, like a few seconds after you've written it. Um, so I've been mucking around with those things too, and that's been helping me quite a bit in my process. Yeah, look, this is just another question that I've got about um, how you read. I mean, are you an e-book reader or are you a physical book reader? Are you doing a combination of both? A combo, I really like um, paper books and I have, you know, five or six paper books in various stages of um, read readingness around the house at any one time. And I'm one of those terrible people who doesn't just focus on one book. I always have a few on the go. Um, but I prefer paper books. I also have a Kindle on my bedside table. And just last night I heard about a new book by, uh, someone that I know. And so I quickly downloaded the sample and I read that, um, I'll jump in the car to pick up my sons from school and I'm always listening to an audio book. Um, so I use all of them, um, probably paper and audio are my favorites and then Kindle after that. Wow. You know, it, it, you're just really opening, I think, 
Uh, my eyes, I can tell you, to the various ways in which we're now able to tell stories and to get our stories down. And and I was only thinking as you were talking about the Apple Pencil, about the way that it's kind of like enabling us to retain that creativity that we get from writing, but also putting it in a format that makes it really easy to reflect on and to communicate. And I'm wondering, you know, that sounds like one top tech tip, but do you have other top tech tips for young writers today uh, around technology that could make Make it easier to put digital pen to page? Well, the thing that I've been using a lot that I really like is usually after I write a draft of something, I print it out and then I get a pen, pen or pencil and I go through and I cross out bits and I write extra bits and I um, basically destroy the manuscript and then I have to go back and transcribe all the ideas. And, you know, with a 250 or 300 page, you know, A4 page book. It's a lot of paper. Um, Now I've just been saving as a PDF and I'll airdrop it onto my iPad and I'll open it in books and then I'll use the Apple Pencil just to mark up the manuscript that way. So, um, you know, then I go through and get all those marked up things, but I'm using, I'm still using the same tool. I'm still using that handwritten thing to respond to something that I did on the laptop. And, uh, and then I'm transcribing those changes. But one, it saves a lot of paper. And two, it just seems, um, I don't know, I don't feel like there's anything lost in the process. Mm. So many interesting things that you've talked through with us, Tristan. Can I just ask, on the back of all of that, how do you see storytelling in, say, 2030 and beyond about how that genre will change and, and maybe what our young people will be using for story storytelling as well? Well, it's interesting the way we consume TV now is a lot more book-like in that you can devour as many chapters as you like. You know, we, you know, I'm watching a show at the moment and each night we'll watch an episode. And then if you feel like you can, you know, you want to stay up or whatever, you'll watch, you'll watch another one. It's sort of like reading another chapter of a book. Um, and it's not being sort of drip fed to us perhaps the way TV used to be. And so I sort of feel like there's a bit of a convergence happening there between sort of visual mediums and I guess audio mediums as well, the way podcasts, um, either story-based ones or non-fiction ones are kind of fed to us and we can devour as much as we like. And it's a bit like devouring a book, I guess. Um, so I, I really like that convergence. I think it's exciting. I don't think it will replace the paper book. And I still love when I find a paper book that I absolutely love. There's nothing better than just being left to yourself. You can cru- sort of get to half create the characters in your mind and what they look like, which you obviously can't do in a, in a TV show because it's all there in front of you. Um, but I do like crossing over between the two. And I think that there's a lot that both professional writers can learn from say writing a screenplay and then moving back to writing a book or from playing an instrument and then moving back to a book or doing a sculpture or something, but also kids, I think by moving across different creative media, I feel like they can become better writers through that and become more creative across across other media too. Mm, Linda, that really that you've gone into a point there, Tristan, as well about um, you know the convergence of those skills and those interests and the media that that we you know, children are consuming and young writers are possibly you know using as as source material. But Tristan, your background, I mean, people may not know you began life as an actor, you're, you've been involved in filmmaking. Um, you know, if, if we've got students that want to go down these paths, like what, what are some of the skills they need to have? What's one of the, some of the avenues they could take? I think, you know, the basic one is 
each day exercising those muscles. You know, I, whenever I go, the, the one thing that my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Bannister, taught me was this Anything Goes book, this idea of every day for five minutes sitting down and working down whatever's in your mind. Where it might be crazy or it might be boring or it might be, it is what it is and you put it down. And I feel like that as a, that basic sort of journaling or morning pages thing is a really base thing for any form of creativity and probably is healthy for any kind of humans, even if you don't see yourself as creative. So I feel like that's a one base thing is exercising those muscles on a daily basis, getting used to putting your ideas down, um, thinking about your ideas and valuing your own ideas and your own perspective on the world. I feel like whatever creative field you're going to go into, whether it's music or filmmaking or video or writing books or some medium we haven't thought of yet, I think having a point of view on the world, um, valuing your own point of view as well as others' points of view and just being used to putting that down and trying things out and experimenting without fear of a failure, I feel like that in a way is the sort of, um, you know, the ground zero for all creative pursuits. Oh, I really like that. You know, we, we often talk in, on at this podcast about having a learning habit, but I think, you know, having a creativity habit as well sounds like, you know, something that every one of us should should be doing because who knows what we're going to discover or what we're going to release or just how it, you know, enriches um, our own lives. And I like the sound of that. And I, I think so because you, you hear, you know, um, people like uh, Einstein who – it seems, it seems to be these characters had lots of reflection time as well as, uh, you know, scientific, you know, maybe more logistical time. There was also that time to reflect that was sort of the creative reflection on perhaps the more logistical thinking. And, I've, yeah, I feel like that's a hugely valuable part of that process across all subjects in school. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Sometimes we just don't make time for it. So Well, it gets back to Parsi Salberg's idea of play. You know, educational, yeah. you know, those educational lead, you know, thought leaders that really um advocating for that moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Now, look, we're we're almost at the end of our questions, Tristan, but we're wondering, you know, you've 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 written some absolutely amazing books. They cover, you know, topics that I think are close to to kids' hearts and tackle some pretty tough issues as well. Where do you get your inspiration from? Are there any digital sources, any apps that you really like to engage with that help inform your writing? Hmm. I let me think. I guess I sort of was engaging with masterclass a fair bit, that sort of online video masterclass. And then I sort of created my own online video masterclass as well, Story School, that that was sort of inspired in a way by masterclass. So that helped me. I guess I'm always sort of between podcasts and YouTube and things, um, watching things about the creative process from other creatives and, and letting that inform me. And that, and that sort of inspires me quite a bit too. So I feel like perhaps in the classroom too, watching, you know, inspiring videos or listening to snippets of, of audio in order to inspire students or to get them to find their own inspirations is probably even better. Um, yeah, but in terms of inspiration, I guess uh, I guess the, the sort of apps that I've been talking about – that are available, yeah, I don't know. Does, like, does that I, help you? I mean, <laughs> even podcasts and things like that you were talking about, like non-fiction narratives, I mean, it sounds like everything's a bit of an inspo and you can take, you know, I mean, I know my list is totally unorthodox. It's not one thing or, or another. You know, there's we're getting hit with ideas 
so many beautiful productions as well that are really informing everything that we do and listen to. I think so. And um, Pinterest is one thing, uh, Pinterest boards, and then also saving things to collections in uh, Instagram is a good one because, you know, I can sort of think about a character or a location for my story and then I'll look that up on Pinterest and I'll create a board around that particular book. And, you know, then you start to create this look and it has colours and there's architecture and there are characters and all these things that you can sort of flick through. And I think if you reference that often enough, it starts to sort of seep into your DNA. And so when you get back to writing the story, you feel like this world that you've created is real. So I I feel like that is a particular one, actually. Um, Pinterest and collections in Instagram can really help. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Thank you, Tristan. Um, Look, we have so much to dig into, but we finish up our interviews with our guests. We ask you something that we pinched from Desert Island Discs and it's called Rocket Ship Robots. And we'd love to know what piece of tech, we're putting you on the spot, what piece of tech you would take into outer space with you if you had the opportunity to be on on a rocket ship. What's the one piece of tech you can't live without? The one I can't live without. I mean, look, I guess the phone is really the one. I think the iPad is a is like a treat for me. It's like a fun extra. The laptop I have to have to write, but really I could do most things that I do on my phone and it it allows for the most sort of mobile usage. And I think in space, uh, I would want, I'd want the phone. I could, I could actually, in a way, if I got rid of all the other things, I would be happy just to, and I'd like to challenge myself sometime to write a book entirely on a phone. Ooh, challenge, challenge set. (laughs) We'll we'll come back to you with that one and see how you're progressing. But thank you so much, Tristan, for sharing your insights and your ideas. Really love chatting with you today. Thank you so much. It was fun. Thank you. So Linda and Yvette, what are you going to take away from our conversation with Tristan? Well, for me, it was absolutely fascinating because I think over my times working in schools, there are so many children that are resistant writers or find it really hard to come up with ideas, but then also find the physicality of writing really difficult. And I think sharing some of the ways that Tristan, um, I suppose, puts his thoughts to paper or to digital would be really helpful to share with kids. And I think there's a lot teachers can unpack there and maybe think about having those different um, mediums to be used in their class writing programs. Mm, I think for me, it's the visual storytelling aspect um, and how he talked particularly about Pinterest and Instagram and collating or curating collections of visuals Mm. or even colour schemes. Like you might use a stimulus image in class to start them off on a story, but what about colour collection? Like that is actually really true. Yeah, uh, I can certainly see where you're coming from there, Yvette, because so so many times when you ask a student to start writing a story, they don't know where to begin, but if they start with an inspiration board, then they've got something to jump from. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm big, 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 piggybacking off yours a little bit, Linda, and I think it was really excited to think about the many and varied ways that we actually start to tell stories now. And like you're saying, it makes it so much more accessible to students from both an exposure but also from a creation perspective. Oh. But then... But also the point about needing the time and the, the, you know, the time apart to think and create and, you know, have those ideas ferment and stew, when are we going to do that? When are we going to ask our students to have that time? You know, it's almost like we're asking on demand a lot of the time for those stories. Um, I think we need to build that time in, back in. And also I think if Tristan has Pinterest boards and he has Instagram collections and he has all of this 
you know, inspiration to allow him to create. Yet we're really terrible at saying to kids, here's a photo, write, and ask them to go off with that. And I think we need to think about that better. So Tristan really inspired us today with new ways of thinking, working and crafting. So team, can we share our favourite creativity and writing tools with li- with listeners? Linda, start us out. Oh yeah. So I've been looking at the Everyone Can Create series and there are so many great resources for um, teachers that they could use with their students or parents even that want to use them at home. One that I've been playing with is the Everyone Can Create drawing series and I really like a bit of what we talked about with Tristan the different modes of drawing. So there's sketchnoting, there's word art, there's all sorts of things. Um, not the word art that we might have used in Microsoft Word 15 years ago, but there's a lot that people could do with that everyone can create series. So I would recommend there's drawing, music, video and photos and off you go. Mm, I think as well, like um, we've been looking a lot this term at T4L about um, developing multimodal documents using, you know, Word docs or, you know, pages. And I think how to boost you know, your documents to actually make them, you know, you could use that in the storytelling sense. What images could kids insert? What content could they find out there that really matches? What audio could they find? So I think a lot of those other things too that Tristan touched on that, you know, the way he consumes media or uses the tech to, you know, really develop his story ideas and time save. For me as well, it's been investigating those elements of voice typing or dictating into documents to save time. And it actually makes you forces you to think in a different way, I think, because it, it forces you to be prepared with what you're thinking and what you're actually going to put down onto the page. But, you know, you can easily, you know, delete it and that's fine. But it actually has forced me to use a different thought process and, and be, you know, using those sort of narrative devices differently. So I think that could be something really to explore with students mm-hmm. um, to get them to maybe you know, dictate a story instead of writing it down or start with one sentence that's dictated and go from there. I think that could be a bit of a breakthrough. Yeah. And Joe, what have you been finding out? What have you got? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I agree with both of you in terms of finding some extra tools that we can show students so that they can actually release their creativity potential. And I think one of the places that I would go is to the Adobe Education Exchange, where you can find loads of courses on some really great tools that can empower them to develop their own podcasts. Maybe they want to do some drawing, no matter you know what kind of device they're on, are they going to create some awesome videos or web pages to be able to communicate their story. There are some great tools on there for teachers to learn how to do it, but also um, for our students to be able to go there and learn and also for some great ideas. I know I I jumped on and I saw there's a great lesson activity about how to design your own skateboard cover, which I think is an amazing art form in itself and would really engage a lot of our disengaged learners and also how to create a storified portfolio, which I found it a really interesting concept, but it's all about them. So how do you create a portfolio about you that's about your story in lots of different multi modal forms. Mm, and yeah. isn't that increasingly what we want our students to be able to do when they get out into the wide world? What is your story? Who are you? What are you bringing to this interview? You know, that is actually a really key life skill. <laughs> you hit it, Yvette. That's like a, the resume of 2021. Mm. Can I sneak one book in? Because given this has had a bookish feel, this podcast, um, I've just got a little book that I'd like to recommend. Um, as well as go out and seek out Tristan's books. I've got a lovely little book here called In the Key of Code by Amy Lucido. And it's it's kind of, it's really interesting. It's um, 
blends music, poetry and coding of all things together and it's a verse novel but not. Uh, it's also written almost in code but not. It's um, it's for ages eight plus, features a really strong female protagonist who's immersed in the world of STEAM but she's a musician and just looking at the relationship between something like programming and music um, really brought it home to me. It's a really enjoyable book and it came out last year and I think it might be something that your students might like to read. Anyway, so it's a, new, it's a good one. <laughs> oh, I love the sound of Add that. Add it to the list. Yeah, absolutely. Coding is beautiful, mm. I think, is one thing that we often forget and maybe that's what comes out. Mm. I'm going to be reading it. Excellent. So whilst we often have the last word in our podcast, as our regular listeners will know, from now on, we're going to give you a voice. And so to close us out, here's a little gem of techno wizardry wisdom from one of our amazing teachers in a New South Wales public school. Hello teachers, it's Bahia Molas, an English teacher from Blakehurst High School. One of the tech tips that I would like to share with you is one that you can use in the classroom and in your faculties and also in your school teams. And that's using Google Jamboards, which is part of the Google Workspace uh, tools. Uh, Google Jamboards offers a rich collaborative experience for your teams and classrooms. Uh, Again, if you're doing a brainstorming activity or if you just want your team members to jot down ideas, uh, you can do that on this interactive whiteboard. And once done, you can actually save that uh, whiteboard and upload it or share it either as a PDF or image. It's really easy to use and it really creates and fosters that collaborative uh, environment. Um, and students have a lot of fun with it. So um, you can uh, you can choose different backgrounds, you can choose different colors, you can embed also different images. So again, when you have a chance, uh, don't hesitate to check it out. Thank you. Blown away is all I can say. Linda and Yvette, as always, it has been a complete blast. This podcast has been produced by the masterful Jacob Druce with the assistance and supreme coordination of Heather Thompson as well as many more awesome members of the T4L team. Just a little note, please be aware that all views expressed by the podcast presenters, that's us, are our personal opinions and not representative of the New South Wales Department of Education. Discussions aren't endorsements of third-party products, services or events. And please note that as much as we sound like it, we are not experts in legalese, tech speak or anything in between. We're just passionate people keen to boost technology for learning in the classroom and to help build the skills in your students and for you to solve the problems of tomorrow. Do your due diligence, read further, and if we've got something wrong, let us know. We too are always learning and always improving. Before we go, please make sure you send us through your comments, especially your words of techno wizardry wisdom, and your thoughts for new guests and segments. And don't forget to join our T4L community as well. And if you like the podcast, give us a rating so more and more educators can find us and be inspired to get a little techie in the classroom. Stay compassionate, stay curious, stay excited, everyone, and thanks for joining us.